So questions? Any questions? Well, last period, um, I, med- I don't believe I have <clears throat> ever done uh, the meditation in that way before. And um, what, I, what I was doing was having um, a lot of back and forth, which may be um, conducive to, um, to vertigo, because I, I don't know if that's what was conducive to it later. But uh, I was, and also I'm, I'm looking at the uh, teaching that we mustn't over-effort. So I'm also wondering if I was over-efforting because I spent the entire time um, see, seeing what was going on. And, um, <laughs> Uh, and the way, the form that it took was, I, the mind would, would create a scene of some kind, a kind of like a dream. These were very much like dreams. They were, they were sort of short and they were in good supply. I mean, as soon as one stopped, another one. <laughs> I just watched my mind proliferate, kind of producing these, uh, I think they were more like, I would call them more like mini dreams, mm-hmm. because, um, and so, um, but I never, but you see, as soon as I noticed this happening, I stood back, and, um, and then it, you know, it was, it was not exactly like looking at something and having it disappear, but it was, I don't believe I was trying to push away, mm-hmm. but I was trying not to, um, not to know what was happening. So, um, so I was in this position of, uh, of really watching the mind do this, mm-hmm. and it was, um, and and so they would come up. They you know, I have a little headache now, which I never have headaches. Little headaches, I think. So I'm wondering if that is over everything because. Um, so when you say there was a lot of back and forth, you mean the images would come up, you'd notice them, and then you'd try to do something. You'd try well, to step back. It wasn't. I was trying. It was that I was not. I think it was just um, not wanting to let up on having. On not being conscious—I mean, on uh-huh. not uh-huh. being conscious of what was going on—and you know, it's—it's uh, it's not like other experiences I've had where I could drop the self, and 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 then there's a sort of peace or calm, or uh-huh. there's a sort of um, stability. I don't know what. Never mind. But it wasn't like that, and it wasn't like getting carried away for very long and then uh-huh. coming back. Uh-huh. It was more like being on top of it all the time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and you know, the stomach is feeling like a long time throw up. And so, it, to me, it feels like I was perhaps trying to do, uh, to be too... Too um, on top of it. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know how else to describe yeah, it yeah. because he warns you know it's the idea is to relax, and I was I was I was I, I didn't intend to effort. I just decided that I would really do this a hundred percent, and uh -huh. I did it. I think I did it a hundred percent because I don't think anything on any of these little dreams went by without uh -huh. my seeing. This is what the mind is doing, uh -huh. and that's all uh -huh. I was doing. Yeah, the mind's doing this, and then the mind was like, yeah, and I'm doing this. Yeah, you're doing that, and I'm doing this. Yeah, you know, I don't know, it felt like there were just all these scenes of different things. I can't remember any of them. It was like, first there, you know, a couple of people would be out on a sidewalk, and yeah, the so, mind's doing this. So, um, it sound, it, it's hard for me to tell yeah. whether you were over-efforting or not. That's something for yourself, in a way, to uh, to look at. I mean, you said you 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 told me a few a little while ago that you ended up with vertigo afterwards. I had yeah, it wasn't as strong, but it was vertigo it was uh -huh. in this area. And, uh -huh. you know, so you've you've got some headaches, some nausea. So you've got some kind of it was of, a mild, very mild. Right. right, and you haven't had that happen in a very long time. No, I actually meditated myself right out of vertigo attacks I was having just by having them and allowing them to just totally, uh -huh, uh -huh. and then they never came back, you know, because it was the same thing as with other things that you do, that if you see them to the end, a lot of times they're not a problem. So it may, it may be, it's very hard to tell whether you were over-efforting from your description. The, mm -hmm. the description you give could, could land on either side. It might, it might be that you were just simply noticing, oh, it's like this, it's like this, it's like this, and just being right there. Or it might be that there was a little bit of, mm, it's like this, it's like this, it's like this, it's like this. And only you can really know that from the inside. So part of this whole practice is um, learning for ourselves what it means to over-effort and what it means to be in balanced effort. I think what I was paying a lot of attention to the um, to the feeling, the feeling in the eyes, the feeling in the uh, senses mm -hmm. of how it is to always be there consciously. And I really, uh, I think it's kind of strange. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like, Never going to sleep, you know, but always. Um. So from your, from your, the way you're relating to it now, it sounds like there may be, in the way you're talking about it now, it sounds like there's a little bit of aversion around it. So it's possible that there was a little bit of that in there at the time. You know what I'm seeing in there? I'm seeing a little bit of triumph. Uh, uh -huh. A little bit of just a susong. Oh, I did this. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Like now, you know, I thought that nothing in that forty-five minutes escaped me. Uh huh. And so there's a feeling of ooh, uh -huh. you know. But uh -huh. honestly, it's also kind of <laughs> weird. That's uh -huh. so, that what I'm. I, it to me before when when I felt that I that. Uh, things were going well. It wasn't like that when I thought things were going well. It was that there was already a detachment that was right. very natural, right. not like a no-self thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so things are taking place, but you don't have to 
You know, you don't have to say, now I'm going to be on this. That's right. You yeah. know, it's, it happens naturally. And this one was more like, uh, I'm going to really watch okay, this so, month. So there was some, some intentional doing there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's fine. It's, it, that is definitely fine to, to have that kind of, I'm going to do this. It's just what that, it, it's very easy for that to tip into over-efforting. So again, it's hard for me to say whether there was actually over-efforting happening. Mm -hmm. But um, it's possible. It's possible. So given how you responded afterwards, um, you know, if you get into a place like that again, where you're kind of on top of it, one thing you might play with is um, exploring, okay, so I, I want to be on top of this, but how little effort do I need to make to be on top of this? I was thinking, you know, I was thinking <laughs> of that, too. I was thinking of that. I mean, it was going through my mind, you know, I was just how am I supposed to... The, the question that kept coming up all the time was, the teaching is that this must be continuous, you know. Well, so, the, so the, the teaching is to work towards continuity. Yeah, well. We don't get to continuity by forcing it. The continuity is, um, is more of a, of a manifestation of the wisdom. Saito Utejaniya sometimes says that right view brings the continuity. It brings the concentration. So by forcing it, by saying, I'm going to do this, that's not really the kind of continuity that we're working for. I'm not sure. I don't feel that I was forcing it. I think that what the force, you might interpret force as being a kind of mindset that said, I will do this for this <coughs> period. You know, you could think. But the mindset meant more than that. It meant... I will always do this. It was kind of like, now I'm not going to stop knowing uh -huh. what the mm -hmm. mind is doing. You know, now I'm not going to stop. But um, so again, it's I, I, as I said, I can't tell whether you were over efforting in that sitting. It's it's not it's not possible for me to tell from your description. You, you know, the trouble is that out in life, not here. But <laughs> Where we're, when we're home or wherever it is. Uh, and this uh, relaxation is occurring. For me, it seems like there's a lot more ease, but it comes and goes to such an yeah. extent. Uh -huh. It's like um, it's like I get, I get to see it, and then I don't, and then I get to see it, uh -huh. and I don't. So this was kind of trying to... Um, <laughs> I don't think I'm doing the right thing. I, I just don't, but I don't know what to do. Uh -huh. I mean, how do you, uh, how do you always come back to, uh, you see, there's this little scene like a dream, you know, and then you notice, so this is a dream. And so then it proceeds you notice, and it proceeds to another scene. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and know it's like mm -hmm. something is is. So that just that noticing of that dream doesn't take any effort, because you just notice. Yeah, but something must be really uh, worried about 
about not noticing. I mean, well, it, that's what it sounds like was happening for you, that there was something like that in there. All right, well. <laughs> Again, it's, it's not. I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> so the thing, the thing, one of the things I'd suggest is the, the light touch that we're talking about is, you know, notice when you become aware and yeah, what you're aware of in that moment. I was. It was like, yes. what does this taste like? Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. The, 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 it's, you know, what is it sensorily to do that? And I think maybe that was just, you know, I just, it, it, <laughs> So just that, just that noticing in that moment, what's happening, and then you know, then the next thing comes up, and what's happening, uh-huh. the next thing, and the what's happening. Um, at some point, that, that kind of conscious, as I said, you know, the scooter analogy, um, that conscious noticing the next thing, the next thing, the next mm-hmm. thing, um, can, get to be, it's, it can get to be a little bit of over-efforting mm-hmm. if the mindfulness is already going if there's already a little bit of continuity there, and you wouldn't actually need to, 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 to make that connection. Maybe there wasn't enough trust. Mm, mm. Maybe I didn't trust myself. That sounds like a good exploration. And so I felt that I needed to be a watchdog. Yes. Maybe. Although I wasn't consciously a watchdog. Mm-hmm. I, was consciously, I was consciously very earnest, and um, I don't think, you know, I was... I just wanted to do it. I don't think I was trying to get a gold star. (laughs) So keep exploring. Yeah. Yeah. My question is is maybe somewhat similar to Marilyn's. And it has to do with the, the questions and the explicit, you know, sort of, as I understand it, verbally expressing the question in mm-hmm. one's mind. Um, there are, so my experience is that when I do that, most of the times that I do that, my mind, it's what I, I have, you know, this, this coming to, this, there's the moment of becoming aware that you're aware without jerking, mm-hmm. and then there's that same experience with a little jerk. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right? The mind jerks to, to its place. And my, for me, the place is almost always to, to my eyes, even if they're closed. So I'll notice, and I'm like, am I aware? And there's just this instinctive jerk to eyes. And I find it very irritating. Well, I find it slightly irritating. By eye, you um, mean the, the eye is... The eye, the eye. Yeah. The physical eye. I, I was doing the other bit. Yeah, well, I, let's, let's, um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> let Dan finish. <laughs> so, the thing is that if I, there are times when I feel like, okay, I don't need the words and I really, I'm, I'm, I want to be able to just notice and without the jerk. Mm-hmm. So is it the words that bring the jerk? Not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily, but they more reliably do, it seems. And then sometimes they don't. And I, my, I've concluded that it is not critical to my long-term success in this process that I come to awareness without the jerk, because I can just be aware of the jerk. Exactly, yes. Right? So I get that. Uh-huh. I don't love it, but I get it, because I love the non-jerk awareness. <laughs> so this is good to notice, very good. But 
what I'm, what I'm, what I could use a little guidance on is how to work with the explicit questions, because my inclination is to step away from them sort of whenever possible, mm -hmm. and I feel like I wind up just not practicing a lot of the time. And I, my, I'm starting <coughs> to wonder actually over the last several weeks, I've been like feeling like I should just fall back on the explicit question. I should be erring a little bit, not hammering away at them, uh -huh. but like anytime I feel like I'm not doing anything, I should just go back to doing them. Uh -huh. Even if a few minutes ago I was having success in the practice without using the questions. So what kind of questions are you using? Am I aware? What am I aware of? Okay. More, and then what am I aware of right now? The more words are involved, the more <laughs> my mind jerks. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, and that's... Then, you know, just exactly the stuff. And then, you know, and then once I've got it and I'll say, what now? What now? What now? Okay. Uh-huh. So, um... You know, the, the questions, using the questions, and I think this, this too is kind of related to something I said this morning about minds being really different. So I think some minds will naturally kind of work with the questions in an easy way, and other minds it will be more like learning how to use a tool. Um, so part of the exploration is Again, this is this is a lot of trial and error, and I like to think of this as okay. Let's we're in a sandbox, you know. Let's play with these things. Let's not get so serious about it all. So, you know, try using the questions at times and see when it feels like it's creating that sense of extra tension in your mind, that little jerk, and when it doesn't. See if you can begin to understand when they're helpful when they feel like they add tension to the mind. Um, and even if they add a little bit of tension, if it's between being just completely spaced out and not aware and having a little bit of tension through asking the questions, I would err on the side of asking the questions. Um, if it's between being present and maybe drifting and back and drifting and back and in an easy way and then having the you know, kind of creating, the using the questions to try to keep yourself aware, I would look at that motivation for trying. Why, what is the motivation behind wanting to stay aware? Is there some, some greed or aversion there? I don't want to get lost, or I want to do this. You know, if, is there some kind of a oof behind that? So see, see whether there's any, um, you know, because the, the mind asking questions is simply another phenomenon in our mind. At some point, actually, the, the, the way that we practice becomes part of what we notice. You know, what's coming up in our practice. And the, we can learn for ourselves when certain techniques are skillful and not by <laughs> observing the consequences of using those tools. Does this make sense for you? Is this... It does. I'm... I will, I will do my best with it. Okay. <coughs> Let me see if there's anything else. I, hang on a second, Paul. Let me see if there's anything else I can add here. Um. I think the, the biggest piece in this for me is going to turn out to be the 25 years of I can't meditate right that I've got built up in my mind. So that's coming in, perhaps, to these questions? Yeah, like, 
Oh, either using them or not. Yeah. Uh -huh. So I think I, I want to I want to look take at that what piece. Okay. In that, those exploring those different shades of and and look at just be aware and be okay. open to seeing that. And okay. Good. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you. Could I? Paul, ask um, one more I I um right. I'd like to let some others yeah, ask. Please do. Thanks, Paula. Um, I just wanted to <clears throat> report on just a little bit of. Um, one of my walking periods. Um, so what, what I was noticing, um, you know, as I was walking along, you know, first I noticed the rhythm of my body. And, and then I was aware of uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, uncomfortable, uncomfortable, uncomfortable. And I just sort of went along like that for a while. And then... Was the uncomfortable physical or mental? I'm physical. Okay. It was physical. And then all of a sudden, there was this little bubble of this feeling of well-being that emerged. Um, and that, that was my, that was the, the mind. Mm -hmm. That was, <coughs> so um, anyway, I was just, no, I could just notice this little, kind of little happy feeling of well-being just pop up just like a bubble that came up and then then I was aware of it. Uh-huh. And and what happened as you became aware of that bubble of well-being? Well, I could tell that my mood shifted. Mhm. Mm yeah, my there was a definite shift in my mood like, "Oh." <laughs> and and what was your relationship to the discomfort at that point? Um Well, I think while I was walking, you know, I was uncomfortable, but um, but being physically active made it very bearable. So I was kind of just okay with that. Mm -hmm. But the well-being, did that have any impact on your relationship to the discomfort? Well, it did, actually. Then... Um, it seemed like the um, discomfort also kind of like went away. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, because I I wasn't registering uncomfortable anymore. Uh huh. You were registering the mental attitude of the feeling of well-being. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. So that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I want to point to here. This is um, uh, something that. Um, you know, you were just noticing what was happening. And it sounds like you were noticing it in a pretty balanced way. You were noticing there was discomfort in the body. And from that arose a feeling of well-being. So that is probably not random, that feeling of well-being. is probably, I mean, everything happens because of causes and conditions. And we don't know exactly what the causes and conditions were that allowed that to arise. But that is something to explore. And um, there is a well-being that can come for us when we are engaged in the practice. When we are just willing to be here with what is. Kind of that, that the, the, the mindfulness meets the Dhamma. The mindfulness meets the truth of the moment. And that, that tends to produce feelings of... Um, ease in the mind, of well-being in the mind. So, um, 
that's that's something to to notice. Actually, one thing, um, um, Sadhu Tejaniya says is that it's interesting to notice where happiness comes from in our practice. Is it coming from the practice itself? Or is it coming from liking some experience that we're having? You know, so is the, is the feeling of happiness coming because we like what's going on? It's a really nice day and we're walking out there and our body feels good and there's the breeze on our cheek and the warm sun and, and, and just the whole experience feels good and there's a kind of happiness that can come from that did uh, the experience itself, and this can come from meditative experience too. We can have, uh, you know, feelings of rapture come up and get really um, like we really like the feelings that that arise. And um, so, noticing where the joy is coming from, the the joy that comes from liking the experience, or the joy that is kind of coming from um, the objects. You know, if we like the objects, that can very easily slip into greed, eagerness. Um, the joy that comes from the practice tends to be more skillful kind of joy. So anything anything else you want to add, Paul? Okay. Yeah. So uh, what you just said brings up a question for me. So I was feeling... Uh, a fair amount of happiness at times uh, this morning in the first uh, walking meditation. And it seemed to be coming from um, the practice or from, yeah, from the practice, that, that, um, that awareness of, you know, of what was in my experience and of uh, the mind state. And, um, and it, it felt fine, but then I noticed, and then it felt like um, I, mean, I need to step back and observe that happiness, and then it, you know, that split me from it, uh-huh, and it didn't uh-huh, feel uh-huh, right. So, uh-huh. so um, there's different, you know, this is, this is an interesting question. It's really important to be able to recognize the beautiful, wholesome states that come up for us. You know, to recognize happiness is coming up, or rapture, or feeling of well-being, or calm, or ease, or peace, or tranquility, or equanimity. Really important to be able to notice those, know those with mindfulness as well. But you said to step back from it. So I want to check in about that, because that's, um, you know, so to step back from it in order to observe it is kind of what I'm hearing uh, you do. And that's, I think, a common a view or perspective that we have about what it means to be mindful. We distance ourselves from the experience. Um, that is one way that sometimes mindfulness is experienced, that feeling of, of having a distance. At other times, the way mindfulness feels, it's as, as if the mindfulness is just coming up right in the middle of the experience. So there's no separation between the experience and the knowing, essentially. It's like, it's like the mindfulness arises right into the middle of that. For myself, there's a, a, a languaging thing that helps me to recognize or um, know what's happening. One, on one 
of those, I feel like I'm looking at something. The other, I feel like I'm being with it. So those, those two languagings have kind of supported me. Um, sometimes if um, I feel like, sometimes that, that looking at something, turning towards looking at, has, has, a, has some doing to it, has some, um, um, an agenda behind it. So, you know, that, that movement, actually what happened was that you, you, your mind decided to do something. And um, it sounds like that was outside of the field of what you, you were aware of. So you decided it and kind of believed, okay, this needs to be done. And um, there may have been some, it may have been habit, partly. I mean, the, we, we run into practice habits in this practice, and I'll talk about that in a minute since that just came up in my mind. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. So we run into practice habits, and one of those practice habits can be that sense of stepping back, stepping back to observe something. For me, that was very much the way I learned what it meant to be mindful, step back from and observe. It's like putting something under a microscope. I'm up here, and the thing is down here. Um, over, over time, um, that, um, so that practice habit could have just come up because that's your habit in meditation. Or it also could have come up because there's, um, there was a little bit of, I need to do something here. And that, at the very least, has some delusion to it the I needing to do something, as opposed to just being with whatever is happening. Um, but there also might have been a little bit of uh, agreed or aversion there. Um, maybe a little tiny bit of, oh, there's happiness coming. Um, I have to be careful not to get attached to this happiness, so back off. You know, Don't know whether that was happening. Well. Yes, yeah, hard for me to discern exactly, but the, the word that comes to my mind is the should. In other words, this is what you know. I'm here for. That's how we're supposed to do this practice. Yes. So, so that's that's something I want to 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 kind of let's see if we can wipe that one clean. <laughs> the the um, I think one of the things that I really learned from this practice is that the way mindfulness feels can be very different at different times. Sometimes it has that feeling of stepping back. Sometimes it feels very different. So in that place of noticing the happiness, one thing you could just do there is just check, am I aware of this happiness? You know, not needing to change how you are aware. You're already aware of it. That's enough. Um, And then just notice how you are aware of it whether there is any greed or aversion around it, as opposed to feeling like I need to do something in order to be aware of it. This is a really interesting thing. I mean, I've, I've found myself at times like, you know, I'm walking, I'm doing walking meditation, and I notice I'm hearing, it's like, oh, I need to be aware of this, you know, this experience of hearing. It's like, wait a minute, you know, what's wrong with this awareness? <laughs> I'm already aware of it. So we tend to have a, an agenda to do, and that's kind of comes from practice, that comes from a practice habit. And some of this is unlearning some of that 
that kind of agenda. Now just to talk a little bit more about practice habits, um, um, just check in. How many of you noticed the kind of familiar habits of meditation coming up uh, while you're practicing today? So, okay, yes. Um, um, there's a couple of different ways to, to play with that. Um, it de- depending a little bit on what's going on around those practice habits. If it's something like um, a practice habit of paying attention to the breathing, you just basically find yourself back with the breathing. Um, or for me, it was the whole body, you know, kind of field of whole body sensations. When I relaxed and didn't make too much effort, that's where the mind went. And, you know, I reported this to Saito and Tejani, and he said, that's a habit. You know, that's what your mind has been trained to do, so that's what it will do. So um, um, what I chose to do was to look at, when I noticed that that's what my mind was doing, what I chose to do was to notice, and what's my relationship to the experience here? Um, And what I usually noticed was the mind feels calm, the mind feels easeful, the mind feels relaxed. And so it wasn't particularly a problem that the mind was paying attention to body sensations. But what this did then was expand the horizon of what the mind was able to notice. It was then able to notice not only the body sensations, but also the mind state that was, that was present at the same time. And that began to um, interest the mind in other experiences. And more naturally, over time, the mind began to um, uh, not just gravitate towards the, uh, the body sensations. And I'll get to just a, mo- just a moment, Tanya. Um, so that's one way to explore working with practice habits. Check in, not to see, you know, what's my attitude about this practice habit, but just what's my attitude about what the experience is. Uh, one of my friends went to visit Shui Umin, who was Sayadaw Utejaniya's teacher. And this was before Shui Umin, Sayadaw died some, I don't know, probably eight or nine years ago. And my friend had done a lot of the Mahasi noting practice. And that's what the practice he did. I mean, that was, you know, when he... He, and he found it to be extremely helpful, that noting practice. And he went and talked to Sayadaw and, um, and, uh, and Shwayu Min Sayadaw's response to that was, his single response was, well, just notice the mind that wants to do that. Just, so you don't have to stop your practice habits. You don't have to, to recognize, like, you know, you notice that you're in a, in a rhythm of doing something. You don't have to go, oh, that's my old way. Stop, I'm not supposed to do that. Just notice that that's what your mind is doing in that time. Oh, this is what the mind is doing. It's paying attention to the breathing. And what's my attitude about that? What's my relationship to that? How am I paying attention to the breathing? So that's, that's one approach. And... Um, you know, if it tends to be the kind of practice, the, the practice habit where you're kind of coming into one experience or one object, you know, just kind of hooked to the breathing. Um, one thing that Sayadaw 
uh, Utejaniya recommends sometimes when you find you're just hooked to the breathing as a practice habit, to not necessarily try to unhook from the breathing, but just see if you can expand your field of what you're noticing. So you can be aware of the breathing and also notice, oh, there's also hearing happening, there's also other body sensations happening. So just expand the field a little bit. So that's one another way he uh, approached it. Steve Armstrong had another approach which worked for him, so I'll offer this one as well. Um, Steve found that often in his um, um, practice habits, there was a lot of doing involved. A lot of, I'm going to do this, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this technique, I'm going to note, I'm going to pay attention to this and that. So there was a lot of doing involved. And so what he found helpful was just to recognize, okay, there's doing involved. Stop, relax, allow the mind to relax, allow the body to relax, and notice that there's already something arising naturally in experience without having to do the mindfulness. So those are a few um, different approaches for working with practice habits. So Tanya. So I feel like I've been working a lot with um, the object and the mind. And I think for me what you're talking about here is connected because it's like I can have my attention to be with the object or I can have my attention to be with awareness or with the mind. It's like this, it's, I don't know, where I'm resting somehow. Uh Now is that a a choice that you make or is it... So what I'll do is I'll become aware of an object. Uh-huh. And I recognize I'm aware of an object, and so I, it's like saying, turn to look at the awareness uh-huh. instead of the object. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's a shift, mm-hmm. like um, trying to, um, yeah. And what is that experience when you turn to look at awareness? Well, it can, it can be a very simple, like, opening up, like just the field, things falling, you know, just sort of a, a pure kind of thing. And then if there's a defilement or a view, it can be, it's almost like making several turns, uh-huh, uh-huh. turning toward it and seeing, uh, and you know, maybe it'll take a couple of shifts to try and find what, what that view or perspective or the, the defilement is. Mm-hmm. And then I, when I find that, then I can find the awareness that knows that. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. I go back to the sort of more open space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess I'm just, um, so I keep, I think in my mind I have this um, sense of look for awareness, where's the awareness, you know, sort of where, trying to um, find that, that lens. Um, so at times we can do that. Um, and the more, uh, the more we practice with it, the more easy it is to actually notice the awareness. And one thing I'm going to say though, um, um, I think another way to think about looking at the awareness, um, it's not that we're, I mean, the, the way we know the mind, the way we know the, the mind is because there are objects there. Um, you can't really separate them. You know, it's, it's like two sides of a coin. You know, there's the object side and the knowing side. So we can't really pull them apart and say, okay, only look at the awareness. Um, 
we can we can incline towards noticing what's in the awareness how am I observing um, for me the way it, it begins to feel is kind of, it's more like stepping back in a way so there's the object and it's not stepping back to look at but it's more like stepping back to look through so that um, um, Saito sometimes uses the analogy of glasses. You know, when you are looking at the world, you see all the objects out there, and the whole way you can see them, I mean, we're no, normally just interested in seeing the objects and that, you know, and what's out there, interested in being sure that we can see clearly. Um, but the whole way we can see is through the glasses. And there can be a subtle shift where you can know the objects and know that you're looking through these glasses. And so that's kind of what the, uh, the awareness is. And we, don't, we can't really know the awareness purely. It's known yeah. through knowing something. Yeah. Um, there's but no way... Isn't there more... I mean, you know how you said earlier today, our habit in the practice has mostly been to study the object. Yes, yes. So for me, it's like... Noticing, that's where it's an old practice habit, right? Studying the object. Yes. And then sort of recognizing, okay, there's another part to this. Yes. So I do want to, um, to continue. That was the next piece I wanted to mention. So, um, so yes, there, there can be, and you can at times be able to step back and, and notice, oh, there's awareness, there's knowing here. If that's relatively easy, um, that's great. You know, just allow that to happen. It's kind of more like, and what else is here? And what else is here? There can be times when it feels like you're tying yourself up in knots to try to see the awareness. It's not so easy. And it's at some point, you know, in my practice, I, I, I also found like you, I could do that. I could notice the awareness and, and I began doing that as if that's what I was supposed to be doing was noticing the awareness and Sayada said don't try to do that just notice when your attention is knowing the objects and no, notice when it's knowing the awareness so yes for a while like you say to break the practice habit essentially of just being in the object it's helpful to, to step back but don't make that the goal of the practice either you know so it's um, you know, play, play with times when you're just allowing the mind to be doing what it's doing. Because part of the, the meditation unfolds by watching not only, um, you know, the objects and the mind and our relationship to the mind, but watching how the mind chooses to meditate, <laughs> you know, and what, what its agendas are about that. So, yeah, is anything, anything more? Um, okay, Craig. Just a quick question on... Knowing the awareness, I get a little lost by that. It's really knowing the qualities of the awareness, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there's that's the that's the first step into knowing the awareness itself. Didn't you just say you really can't know? Well, you you can't know it like you can't turn to the awareness and say pure awareness. <laughs> and it, it's possible at certain in certain refined states of concentration that. It may be that what the mind is knowing is knowing itself. That is possible. Um, but it, it is the knowing. There is the knowing and the known still in that mm -hmm. state. There's mm -hmm. 
the, the, the mind that knows and the object that is known. And so the, um, it's kind of like, you know, they're, they're joined together. So um, we know, it, it's very hard to, to describe. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just, you know, just now, do you know that you're hearing my voice? You know, just, it's that simple. You know, just, just that quality of being aware of hearing my voice and not necessarily attuned to the pitch and tone or the words that I'm saying. Even though you know those almost automatically without trying, you can also know that you know them. And, and part of the way in to getting familiar with that quality of just the knowing, knowing the knowing, familiarity with, essentially it's familiarity with what mindfulness feels like. That's what awareness of awareness is, essentially, in what, in what Utejaniya is teaching. I actually clarified this question <laughs> with him. What do you mean by awareness of awareness? Uh, and he's talking about being aware of what mindfulness is, what mindfulness feels like. So getting familiar with mindfulness itself. So the stability of mind really is a huge factor. In that. Yes. Because <clears throat> my first orientation here has been trying to only get a little more stability because without that, I mean, in my first walks, it's like yes, the stability is is the place is the place to begin. the 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 subtler kinds of experiences of being able to really clearly see the mindfulness itself um, uh, comes more with continuity. Um, so stability first, and the way into kind of being aware of the awareness is, as you said, you know, noticing the qualities of the observing mind. Am I reacting to this? You know, what's my relationship to this? That's, that's, a, that's a step towards knowing the mind. And at some point, there won't be any particular re- re- um, reactivity to experience, and it will just be calm, clear. And the mind can, in that momentum, then start looking at more subtle experiences. Well, I've had a couple of those experiences, and I, but uh, sometimes I can just get a little confused, just forget what I know. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, the, the, the stability of mind is the, the first thing that we're, we're cultivating at this point. Let me just see if there's somebody else first. Yeah, Dawn and then Len. So um, I've had some intense emotions clearing through in the last 24 hours. And um, I've been noticing the aversion in the mind and the delusion in the mind. And then aversion to the aversion and the delusion are coming up. And mindfulness is quite strong, but so is reactivity. Uh-huh. I'm wondering if you have some suggestions. So is it kind of a feedback reactivity? Is there then aversion to that aversion to that aversion to that aversion? It hasn't spiraled in that sense, but it, the reactivity has definitely escalated uh-huh. at times. And it's it's cleared a few times too, but it feels like I'm not even on a bicycle yet. I'm still flopping. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, um, Again, you know, in the sandbox here, <laughs> um, if you find that the uh, aversion tends to escalate, you may want to just give yourself a break from that. It, mm-hmm. Put your attention in something else. You change objects. Change objects, yeah. Find a neutral object to just give yourself a break with. Uh, let your mind get a little balanced again, and then 
no doubt those emotions will be back for you to <laughs> notice them again. And, you know, it sounds like, you know, at times that, okay, so there's the, there's the emotions and there's the reactivity and there's the delusion and there can be balance around that. Absolutely. And if that's the case, great, you know, just, just keep noticing, just keep noticing that. If you're noticing the reactivity to the reactivity and it's kind of spiraling, um, if it just goes one step back and you can say, oh, okay, there's just aversion to aversion and you can be bounced around it, that's fine too, you know. So again, it's the, it's the playing, you know, no, no, when, it does tend, when it does tend to kind of cycle, then turn to something else. And Lynn. So I'm, as I was listening and thinking of getting ready to talk, I realized that, uh, so I was aware of, of fear about talking. Uh, so that's what you're talking about is just to, to, to be with the fear, but also be with the awareness of fear. Yes. Yes. And, and that being with essentially is kind of an awareness in a way, the knowing that you're being with. That's, that was a real great revelation for me. You know, it's like, oh, I can just be with this. And that very being with is the knowing, you know, so the, it's, um, it doesn't have to be that, that stepping back. Is that, is that? No, so, okay. so I, was, uh-huh. I was taking a walk and um, all of a sudden I noticed that there was all these, and I hadn't been thinking about being back home and planning and whatever. And all of a sudden I noticed really strongly all this stuff about home came up and some, some kind of irritation. And right before I took the walk I was reading um, a little bit section in the book where he was um, talking about something came up for him and he was tracing it back where it came from. So I started getting curious about where that came from and I traced it back to something that happened five minutes earlier on the walk. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, is that the, investi- that's the investigation we're going to be encouraged to do? Um, you know, I, I want to see if... just too much thinking. The, in general, that's too much thinking. Okay. Um, um, in you know the tracing back can happen by the being with. Um, it's not that you're doing the tracing back; you're just being with the experience. And over time, um, you know, you may you may be with certain kinds of experiences over and over again. Like for me, um, you know, anger um, was a, a, something that I practiced with a lot. And I got a lot of experience with that. You know, I got to see it many different times, many different perspectives. And at some point, sometimes, I, I could be pr- so present that I was there in the very moment of the intention to anger arising. And in that, seeing essentially where it's coming from in the moment. Um, and and that, um, that kind of seeing is the, 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 the tracing back can kind of happen on its own by just being willing to be with the experience and not by thinking back. What did I just do? And what, what did I do before that? And what did I do before? Where was I? Um, that that is, tends to be too much thinking. I, I want to um, see if I can find that section. If you can point me to that section, leave me a note, point me to the section of the book, and I'll see if I've heard that story and, and know... 
um, no, what, what he's talking about. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, the that that can be a strong tendency in talking in investigating is trying to understand the causes. We think back. Right. And that's not what we're talking about in trying to understand the causes. It's what's happening here and now. We try to understand what's happening here and now as best we can. And sometimes it's been set into motion in the past and we didn't see it get set into motion. And that causes kind of um, loss to present moment awareness. We can think back and, and do that, but then we lose the present moment awareness of what's happening here and now by doing that thinking back. So. I don't generally recommend that thinking back. There may be times when it's helpful um, if there's, you know, a lot of um, um, like trauma or, you know, something, you know, major coming up. It can sometimes be helpful to, to do that. So I wouldn't say it's never useful, but in general, I would say it's not, it's not uh, a helpful tool. In some ways, asking the questions or asking, "Am I aware? Or am I aware of?" seems similar to noting. Uh huh. And um, so, how often you know, are we asking the question? Again, um, as I as I said this morning, we really have to tune that depending on the level of awareness. If we know that we're aware and know what we're aware of without asking the questions, we don't need to keep asking the questions. It's a it's a tool to point us to experience. It's, it's, oh, I don't know if I want to drop, I'll, I'll drop these words in and then we have to stop. <laughs> um, it's the, the vitaka and the vichara, the aiming and the, the sustaining of the attention. Those are Pali words, vitaka and vichara. And essentially the, the questions kind of aim you at the experience and then you just notice what's unfolding, which is the sustaining of the attention. So the, the questions work with those factors of vitaka and vichara. But when those qualities are present, we don't need to go trying to, um, to keep them going. It just, it's, kind of, it's like that riding, that riding of that scooter. Uh, just notice the quality of awareness and be, beginning to get familiar with what mindfulness actually feels like, beginning to get f- familiar with that. We begin also then to notice when it starts to feel a little wobbly. When, it, when we start, I mean, we can, we can just be aware of what's happening and we can kind of start getting familiar with the sense of the mind losing touch with experience, beginning to start drifting off. So that um, as we begin to, to recognize that, that's, that's when, okay, am I aware? Oh, I'm aware of the mind kind of drifting back. Okay, that's all you need to do. You don't need to say, oh, the mind is drifting back. I need to pay attention to something. We just become aware, oh, the mind is kind of drifting. Okay, what's it doing? So it's five o'clock, so we need to stop. Um, I think somebody has a yogi job in the kitchen at this point to help get dinner set, so uh, we do need to honor that. So let's just take a, a, a minute of silence. Let your mind um, the, the mind will probably have some agitation or more thoughts at this point because we've been talking and discussing. 
So it may feel like there's some energy in the system. No need to resist that energy. Just allow it. Almost might like you might let a jar of muddy water settle by putting it on the shelf. 